I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Big Payoff. This is Rachel Bellow. And I'm Suzanne Mushin. This is a new conversation about business. We tackle all the personal stuff that really matters to you at work. I'm ready. Are you ready? ready? Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's go. Welcome to The Big Payoff. This is a special show today because we're talking about women and money because we're women. And actually, Rachel and I are terrible when it comes to money. So we know that if two smart ladies like us can be bad with money, you must be too. And it's just a fact of life that has to be faced and not feared. That is really true, Suzanne, the fear around money. And I do think that's really women. I'm not really sure why. But here's what I do know. The more we know about money, the more agency that we have in our lives and in our businesses I mean, whether you run a business or just work in one or you're at the very bottom of a totem pole or you have no money, it doesn't matter because we all need to understand how money works. And I am tired, Suzanne, of not understanding how money works, not just mine, but money, period. (laughs) Well, this is what makes us terrible business partners, just terrible, because we would be the worst financial advisors. So thankfully today we're going to have in the studio Michelle Smith who's the CEO of Source Financial Advisor. She has 25 years of advising high net worth individuals, women and men, but her clients are a lot of women. And we have her in the studio today to talk about something she knows a lot about, unlike us, which is women and their relationship to money. You know, I really wish that I had known her 25 years ago. Why can't I have someone like that in my family at the beginning of my career instead of like, physicists and literary intellectuals, like you're useless to me. If I had had Michelle at the beginning of my career talking to me about my relationship to money, my whole life would be different. Okay, but I don't think so. First of all, maybe she would be your best friend and business partner and then your life would suck. But <laughs> really, I have people in my life like that. You know that David, my husband, is an accountant, and, you know, has a degree in accounting and he's a lawyer. Ryan, my son, is graduated with a business degree in finance. I have people in my family who know about money, and I still suck at it. I just wish that there were things like now that we're we're running a business and we have lives and we've both been through a divorce. I just wish that there were things that somebody actually told me back then because I think that it would have changed my life. Well, then let's do that. Let's talk about I w- let's do that for our listeners. How about that, Suzanne? That we say, I wish I had known this. Let's let's go back and forth now to see who can sound 
Most <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Who can sound most stupid about money? I've got stories about how stupid I was with money. I'm sure you do. Let's do that so that we can actually illustrate some lessons for our listeners. You start. You go stupid okay, well, first. Okay, I, I can go stupid, but I think I think it would be more helpful to our listeners to say what we wish we would have known, not just how stupid we were. Because I've learned. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a learning. Okay, you're I like a learning to learn. animal. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about the mistakes learn. you made and what you learned from it. That's a good way of framing okay, it. Okay, that I can do it. Okay. okay, so I had this guy in my life a couple years ago, right when we were starting RY Ventures, who decided that he was going to be my mentor. Like, I didn't ask for one. He just decided that was going to be his job. So, okay. But we would meet for breakfast, and every now and then he would give me kind of pithy advice. And he was really smart, like 60 patents, really successful, living in the top floor penthouse of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. This sounds like an affair, not a mentorship. (laughs) No, it was. Trust me, it was not. He was old enough to be my grandfather. okay. But this is one thing he said to me then that really struck home, given where we were at the, at the business. He said to me, delegate that which you know and keep that which you don't, which for me, the keeping that which you don't know about would for me mean finances. And I looked around our company and the way it was structured, and I realized, you know what? I was completely offloading our CFO onto our COO. In other words, I had basically our chief of staff overseeing finance. So the CFO reported to her. So that you didn't have to to deal so you didn't have to deal with numbers at all. Right. At all. How shaming is that? And right. And that's why you and we didn't know anything about the actual guts of the business from a numbers point of view until Suzanne you changed that I I, right so I had so I switched the structure and I had Tim start reporting to me and then I got terrified then he'd come but he was so good he'd come into my office with these awesome infographics and he would talk to me very respectfully but in a way that made it clear that he knew that I knew that he knew and I didn't know what the No, but he Suzanne, here's what I remember. About. You insisted that Tim present this information in a yes. way that you understood, right? Exactly. And yeah. that's the key. That really is the key for, for all of you to, to, instead of being so ashamed that you don't know about money, that you just look away, you have right. to go, you know what? I can't learn that way. Could you please show me this information the way I take it in? We yes. have that right, Suzanne. I've got a story. I've got a story. So Adam and I, my ex-husband and I, had a financial person who did our taxes every year named Michael. I don't even remember his last name. Something Jewish, like Green. It was. It, it totally was. He was actually Orthodox, living in, in oh, Long Island. Oh, there you go. It's probably a Schmetzel Schmeimer. <laughs> so was uh, I would have remembered now. I would have remembered if it was Schmetzel okay. Schmeimer. But he, so he, he. What I remember is that in our early dealings with him, because I actually found him through Tony Schwartz, I found him, and another Jewish man. Yeah, and those, I those we Jews we, yeah, we see every all the Jews but us understand, understand money. money exactly We're the only two in America. <laughs> so I brought him into our life to do our taxes, and but sort of unconsciously I went, you know, I, I don't really like this conversation. I don't want to be in on this conversation. I don't like this, and I sort of offloaded him to Adam. I don't really remember why, but it was unconsciously like this is not pleasant for me. So I'm going to have Michael and Adam dealing directly, and for years and years he did the taxes with Adam. I would just dump my papers sure. on Adam and right, yes. and forget about it. Okay, so then cut to when we divorce and. Um, I moved to Massachusetts. 
Adam asks Michael whether he can still deal with me on my taxes separately because I live in Massachusetts. He said, yeah, I can I can do that. So Adam says, Rachel, you can deal with Michael separately and I'll do my taxes with him and you can do it. I said, great. I have my first conversation with Michael around tax time, my first year alone. And five minutes into the conversation, I go, this guy is a tool and he's talking to me like I'm a freaking idiot. And I cannot stand this. And all of a sudden I realize that's why I offloaded him. He talks to me like I'm yes. stupid oh, and I yeah. fired him. And yes. all those years that I just went, oh, this is what happened. All those years I felt stupid when I talked to Michael, what's his Schmetzelheimer, and I said, <laughs> here, you go talk to my husband. And I spent all those years not knowing anything yes. instead of firing the guy and go, I'm sorry. If I had a doctor who treated me that way, exactly, I wouldn't you know, put up you, with it for a second. Do you remember in the beginning of our company, we had an accountant who used to call us gals? Yeah. It was so patronizing and demeaning. So you definitely need to have somebody who treats you with respect. Um, and speaking of, of shame and, and disrespect, so here's my last story. So when I went through my divorce... Um, I was young. I mean, I was, what was I, 32, 33. But I was old, old enough to have had a life. We owned a house. We had children. I had, you know, a business, et cetera. And yet, I walked into the lawyer's office on the first day that we were really laying out our plan for the divorce. And she said to me, so let's just start with the basics of your, of your financial situation. So what are your mortgage payments? And I swear to God, Rachel, I had no idea. Like I, I really had no, I, If she said, take a wild guess, I, I, I couldn't have. And it was so shaming. Well, see, how many times, how many times has that word shame come up around money? And I swear to God, I never hear men talk about shame in relation to money. I don't, it's not that they don't have shame necessarily, but it's like, you know, these stories are so fun, but so sad. And I'm so <laughs> glad that we're all fixed now and that we're, we've made each other masters of all things financial, Suzanne. Yeah. So let, let's just recap what we learned. So money is definitely yours to do. Never, ever delegated in your home or in your business. Right. And shame has no part in this picture. Whatever shame you have, push that out of the picture because it's blocking you from knowing and then hire a financial advisor who actually treats you like a grown-up and who takes you seriously. That's huge. It is. And no gals. When we come back from the break, we're going to hear from Michelle Smith, a woman who really, really understands money and meaning. And we look forward to talking to her because she can help us, Suzanne. Can't wait. We'll be back to the big payoff after this short break. Welcome back to The Big Payoff. I'm joined in the studio today by Michelle Smith, who is the CEO and founder of Source Financial Advisors. This is someone who can really talk about women's relationship to money, so I really look forward to this conversation. Susanna had to leave. Something happened. I don't know. She had a meeting with her financial advisor or something. So I'm going to do this interview alone. Michelle, welcome. Thank you for having me. 
So let's talk about how you actually got into this, because you're a gorgeous woman, but I can tell that you are old enough that you started your career at a time when financial services firms were not friendly to women, if they are now, but they were certainly not then. My joke in my house is my mom finally got me out of the house, and then I followed her to work because I became her <laughs> business partner after she wrote the last check to, for my college tuition. And she was a broker at Merrill Lynch in the late 70s. Which is amazing. Well, she was allowed to use the computer, back then it was called a Quotron, when her male deskmate went to lunch. Wow. That's Wait. when she was allowed to look at the stock market and follow the markets when he wasn't using it. So she was comfortable with money. Yes. So that, of course, paved the way for you not to be intimidated by yeah. money. Yeah. I, I was uh, blown away that my mom knew how to read the Wall Street Journal. And then when I interned with her in the summer, I realized that the construct of being a financial advisor was about helping people, not necessarily just about math. And that was a big trigger for me. My perception of financial services, even when I was younger, even with family in the business, my cousin used to run the government bond division of Merrill Lynch. So I've been comfortable talking about money my whole life. But the paradigm shift for me was, whoa, this isn't just about math. See, I think it is about it's math. It's not just about math. Are you good at math? I have to be good at math. Okay. So do I have to be good at math to no. get to, to understand my money? No, you just need to understand your life in numbers. Okay. It's different y than you're understanding gonna explain math. that to me. So you're working for your mom yeah. for how long? I worked with my mom for 30 years, but I was an intern with her. And then we worked together at Merrill Lynch for five years until we left Merrill Lynch. And then what? We went to Payne Weber. We just went to together three, as a team? Together as a team. That's we were a so team. Funny. Yeah. And then uh, I founded my own firm in September 2012. Finally, you know, in 2006, left traditional financial services, big banks, big brokerage firms with her. And then in 2012, went completely independent and started Source Financial Advisors. Okay, so let's talk about Source, because here's the thing. I went, when I was preparing for the show, I went on your website, and here's what, what was so fascinating to me. I'm looking through a very good website, which is incredibly unusual in the financial services industry. I understood everything on it. The layout was intuitive. It felt very human without feeling touchy-feely. It just felt very human, but also crisp and professional. And then I got to the videos, the short videos you have, which are awesome. And my feeling halfway through was, is this women's financial products? Because it doesn't say anything about that on the site. And yet, as a woman... I felt at home. So was that deliberate? Tell me about Source, both your intention up for it and its relationship to women. So my intention for what I do for a living is to fix the broken business model of divorce and help people get through their divorces in a way that they understand and they're not giving their power away again in the divorce process. But you don't just do divorce financial advisory. Right? I do 95%. Oh. So the reason you felt at home is because I specialize in women. I don't market to women. I end up with female clients partially because I'm a woman, but I'm at this 28 years. I'm having the same conversations in 2015 that I was in 1988 with women. About what? About two things that still prevent women from absorbing, being engaged, and retaining information, yeah. which is that they're ashamed and they're angry at themselves. 
Yes. Those are the two predominant feelings I have in relation to my money. And that's what Suzanne and I were just talking about. A lot of shame. And then when you get it and you get, you understand, you start to understand, then you get pissed off because it's like, wait, who kept, who intimidated me from understanding this? You know, when you gain weight and your clothes don't feel right, don't you walk different? Don't yes. you feel different? Don't you lose your confidence? Don't you feel ugly? Yes. Don't you feel ashamed? Yes, Michelle. Yes. Right? So that's what you're doing when you feel ashamed about money. It's oh, like so you true. gained a ton of weight. You don't even like what you're looking at in the mirror. And so if I hear one more woman walk into my office, start with, I want you to know I'm an MBA but I'm really ashamed that I have not had control over this. I let my husband do all this. I haven't written a check in 10 years. I don't even know if I have a mortgage. I know nothing, but I want to tell you what I'm really good at. So it's like they have to set up. They're, they're telling me they're ashamed, yeah. but I want you to know that I'm also really smart at other things. So keep talking to us about some things that are typical of women's relationship to money that is unique to women. And then I'd really love to know why you think this is. like. So um, women believe they have a disability with money. I do yes. believe that I have that, a disability right? with money. But think about a disability. You just have to figure out how to teach that person differently. Right. There's no investment product that's going to solve for shame, anger, and the belief that you are not good at money. I'm just not good at money. You know, this is so interesting because Suzanne and I were just talking about how once the CFO was reporting to her in the business, she had to insist that he tell her about the money situation in her terms. Yes. And at first it was, you know, apologetically, like, I'm really sorry, but I don't understand the spreadsheet. Could you please give it to me in a visual bar, you know, situation? And once he did, she got a hold of the money. You better believe it. So I listen it's not just women, by the way. Everyone has a way they absorb information. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's not stereotypical that mm -hmm. you talk to a woman in one way about her money. I sit across from you. I listen. Are you telling me this makes me feel? I feel. Are you saying, well, when I think about it, I'm, li I'm listening and watching to see if you're telling me you feel things out, you're auditory, do you mm. need to touch, are you a visual, and then I give it back to you in the way that I'm listening to you and the words you use. So if somebody's telling me and constantly using words like I feel, or if a woman is sitting in front of me and saying, I'd love that pie chart, I need to study it, 
I know I have to talk to her differently than the person that's going to intuit and feel. You need the information the way you can hear it with the jargon stripped out. Think about this. If you get a really bad medical diagnosis, are you ashamed? You don't right. know about cancer? Right, right. What do you do? Right. You that's sit true. with the doctor and you say, what does this mean? Without shame, right? without being angry that you don't understand the MRI. No, that's so true. You think would... about this. So, so why are why? we doing it with money? Why, why are we not looking Why? Is this at about what... Uh, what we learned from our parents? What, well, why? This is societal. This is centuries old. Is if, this deliberate, by the way, in order? Is there, is there, and I'm not, this is not a conspiracy theory, but surely there's some intentionality behind making sure that women keep their hands off of money as if it's sort of radioactive, like, oh, you know what, you don't need to bother your pretty head about this. That works for society you know, in some ways. Look, we still have a patriarchal construct in society. So that overlay is there, but I'm not going to say it's designed for that. Mm -hmm. I don't care about where it started. All I care about is breaking it. And, and I hate the word empower because it's overused. All I care about is delivering it. I want to wake you up from your money coma, as Amanda Steinberg oh, says, great. from the, the CEO of Daily Worth. When I read that and talked to her, and she said, I just want to wake women up from their money comas. God, and I went, so oh, exactly my gosh. what it feels like. So, yes. so. Self-induced money coma. Right. So the question is, do I have to have money to be in a money coma? In other words, no. my daughters don't have money yet, but they're already they're setting they're up in their, their coma. money coma. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons you may not have money as a woman is because you don't even know how to shift from saving to investing it because you're ashamed and scared and it feels bigger and you don't understand the words and you don't think you should play in that sandbox. And I put, and, my hands in, my, yes. put myself in the hands of a broker right. and all I, these other men who right. are telling me that this is what I should invest in, but right. I don't know how to ask. I don't even know the questions no. to ask. Okay, so tell me... How is the financial industry more broadly failing women and failing themselves by failing women? So how is that happening? How the financial services companies are not solving people's specific problems. They think that they're going to market their products to get you a better financial life. If I see one more picture of hanging grapes in a vineyard, on a website, <laughs> exactly what I, or yeah. somebody's shoulder out of a convertible with a cashmere sweater tied around there with the perfectly gray hair, right? White, white or person, walking white person. down the beach with the grandchildren. Yep. These are images are even designed to make us feel bad that we don't have a family, yeah. or that we don't have a convertible, or what if you don't drink wine? Right. Like we, they're 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 trying to address the needs of consumers with financial products, right? I do it differently. When you have a medical condition, do you Google a generalist? No. You, no. In fact, what do you want? You want the specialist in your zip code. Absolutely. That's what I do. The financial services industry does not have financial advisors who specialize. I mean, I saw that on the site, and I was really interested in that, that there is an advantage to specializing and to get it. Well, you know, it's what you just said about this well, medical analogy is so perfect it's because perfect. it's so obviously it's intuitive. It's so obvious. There's no shame around that, right? I don't have different investment solutions, but here's what I do different. 
I know my market. I know divorced women and women in general are petrified of running out of money early. Yeah. But what does that mean? I care about my lifestyle. Don't you care about your lifestyle? Wouldn't you like to have some version of your current lifestyle forever? Yes. Most some, people some would. Version. Some version of it, right? Yes. Uh, but look at that little hesitation yeah, yeah. when you... Uh, yeah, I what, know. What, what were you just oh, thinking? okay, you're hired. You're yeah. so hired. See? Yeah. See? It's really true. You immediately true. just went to, I'm going to have to cut back. Yep. I saw it. I did. That's what I was thinking. It's like, okay. So let's change that conversation for a minute. This is perfect. So... Cutting back your lifestyle. What does that feel like? Uh, uh, small, constricted, scary, frightening, really frightening. How about this? If we do have to adapt your plan to make sure your money sustains a lifestyle for the rest of your life, tell me the four things you spend money on that make you feel the best and whole. What are the four things that are non-negotiable in your life? Restaurants. Travel, clothing, gifts. Guess gifts. what? Gifts. Those four will never change. They're going to stay 100 cents on the dollar. The other 10 categories, that's where we make the adjustments. And it's easier to do it that way than do a 20% cut across the board. So nobody has ever actually even talked to me in human terms. It's all beginning with my f- portfolio no. as opposed to The investments me. are a commodity. We'd be reading about the one firm or the one person that does it better and different. It's not that. It's the approach with the investment products available tailored to you within a very specific thing you need to do. That's why financial services are failing people. Well, Michelle, this conversation could go on and on and, in fact, will go on and on because I'm very serious that I want to talk to you about my money situation, and there is a lot of shame around it, so I'm going to have to brace myself. But I want to bring Rob Denson, who's the CEO of Tiller, Inc., onto the show to sort of open the lens um, on looking at what we can do about the issue of financial services to wo- to women because you're just one firm and one woman and while you are on a massive upward trajectory there's a bigger problem here that needs to be solved so when we come back from the break Rob Denson's going to join Michelle and me to open the lens on the conversation Welcome back to The Big Payoff. We've been talking about women's relationship to money, and we're joined by Rob Denson, who's the CEO of Tiller. And first, I want to say that in the break, Michelle pointed something out to me about our last conversation, which was that I ended by saying, I really do want to continue talking to you about my financial picture, and I'm going to brace myself. And when the mics went off, she said, no, Rachel, you're not going to brace yourself. You're going to embrace yourself, which was so startling because that's exactly the shift I want to make. I don't want to brace myself every time I talk to my financial advisor. I want to feel as if it's a gift. I'm going to a spa. I'm going to go, this is going to be fun. So Rob, 
you know, we've been talking very personally in some ways and also about source and what Michelle does differently with women, which was fascinating. But I'm curious about what you think can be done to move the needle on the general problem of the way the financial services industry deals with women. What are we going to do about this generally? What could be done? Before we talk about what we need to do, I should mention what we should not be doing, which is we shouldn't, as Michelle suggests, pander or obfuscate or, or, or patronize. Look, I have 25 years, as you know, uh, of experience as an advocate for women and their money. And the fact is, after two decades of seeming uh, education and empowerment, women still feel patronized and misunderstood and underserved and unwelcome by the financial services Totally industry. unwelcome. That's absolutely true. When you go on a financial services website, you want to get off as soon as possible. Right. So a large part of the problem is that, generally speaking, the industry's response to women's desire for financial empowerment, or whatever you want to call it, has been high gloss and um, low substance and almost bereft of any meaningful change in product offerings and client service and communications. Long on surveys, short on substance. And look, if the women's market is truly a marketplace opportunity, let's treat it like one. So in any other product, and you're a marketing expert, in any other product category, what would you do? You'd listen. You'd ascertain the needs and concerns of the target market. You'd design a product to meet those needs and concerns, and you'd support it with informed user-friendly communications and services. Well, that's, and that's, that, what, that latter point is critical because women do feel that patronized by it, and they do feel that there's intentional obfuscation. Well, I think you just made a really interesting distinction that between marketing and service, right? So there are lots of firms who have professed to want to oh, yeah, let's market to women. So they might hire you or anybody else to help them, quote, market to women. But then when it cascades down to the actual service, it's just exactly the same. It's not really a delivery right. of a that, different look, service. That's, that's the dilemma. And, and Michelle said this, financial products and, and the principles of sound financial planning are basically gender neutral. But these products need to be communicated and heard and used in ways that are more informed by the way you know women want to work as investors. One of the interesting things is, because we've done a lot of research around this, is men actually want to interact with their financial advisors the way women do. But there's something, there's probably chromosomal damage that doesn't allow <laughs> us you know, to do that. You know, men would like permission to be consultative and goal-oriented. They just can't somehow figure out how to, how to get there. Well, you won't ask for directions either. Right. Well, that's true. But that we do is wanna, but we, Great analogy, because we, we do want to get there. We just that, don't want to ask anybody. That, you don't want to ask. Look, I think the other related issue, and Michelle's thriving practice points to this, is, um, is that when do women have to make a consequential financial decision, typically? We call these inflection point moments, certainly divorce, death of a spouse, illness, long-term disability, and it's when this need to make a consequential financial decision meets this emotional turmoil. And it's when women really, really need and can benefit from the services of financial advisors, but a lot of financial advisors, unlike Michelle, run from that. They don't like the emotion 
uh, you know, uh, attached to it. And women don't expect a grief counselor or a marriage counselor. They expect someone who understands, has some slight level of insight into their circumstances and can be acknowledging about it. So, so Rob, if I'm a financial services company and I'm listening to this on my way to work and I'm like the CMO or even the CEO and I go, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I don't think we're really serving the women's market in the way that really makes sense to me. And he picked up or she picked up the phone and called you and said, can you come in? And like, what can we do about it? How, uh, what would you do with a behemoth like, you know, Credit Suisse or one of those firms that's so stuck in one paradigm? Well, you know, there's a lot of stereotypical notions attached to women and money and kind of perceived wisdom. We begin with research. You know, I want to understand what, what the needs and concerns are. So, I, I know how to program against them. And then, quite frankly, we talked about this. I, I'm a little you know, wary around talking kind of monolithically about women and their money. I think they're kind of different informing archetypes. I, I want to understand that to do as Michelle suggests, to meet women where they're at. You know, you know, right. I, you know, it's true. You that can't when, template this. Michelle, you said that. You said when you were describing it, you weren't describing all women. You were diving into each one as a unique. You know, it's interesting. It's 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 just hit me. The women's market and yeah. the demographic wealth transfer opportunity with the X chromosome. It's like global warming. No one listened to Al Gore yeah. until the ice caps started melting. Yeah. And now the ice caps are melting on the money transfer to women. And the companies are all now saying, oh, this is really important. Let's get somebody in and figure out how we sell to women. Oh, so there is really a sense of urgency. Talk about that oh, wealth yes. transfer. There's the wealth transfer. Oh, it's it's the biggest. That's why you're starting to see financial services companies try to embrace women now. It used to be we don't want to market to women. It has shifted. It's now we have to market to women. Right, and then you're out of luck. If you don't have yep. a relationship with, with the money when that transfer happens, it's too late. But, what, but we would never say, oh, the men's market. Exactly. So how, how I don't understand even what that means. The woman's market. I mean, you've that's so weird. That's like saying, well, let's market to blondes. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, it's it's women are now in control of money like they've never been and are going to be in front of trillions of dollars of wealth transfer in the next five to ten years. Yeah, That's yeah. the urgency. And you know what the nub of the dilemma is? It, what does Michelle do with her clients? She she listens. Mm-hmm. And as an industry, and I can say this as a financial services marketer, we've been kind of systemically not inclined or, or able to do that. you got to listen to your client so you would, and hear. Look, I think part of this is broker financial advisor training. You know, yes, it, it, 100%. It, and, and just... Getting them to understand both the opportunity and I would deem the obligation, but more than that, how you can be effective communicator. What, there's what also specializing necessary. Every industry has specialists, legal, medical, specializing. Why doesn't the financial advisor question. advisory industry specialize? You have to be good at something. Yeah, not everybody can be a, a you know a world leading expert on like divorce like Michelle, no. but you can understand. And, and train yourself to listen. You can absolutely do that and be there and be present and understanding for your client. That's it. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, you know, a natural place to stop this conversation. But I'm very serious that I want to continue it with Michelle and Rob, actually. But I don't want Rob in the room when I'm talking about my money. Um, 
So we've been talking to Rob Denson from Tiller and Michelle Smith from Source Financial Advisors. Thanks for joining us today, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. This is The Big Payoff, and join us next week for our next episode. If you enjoyed listening to Rachel and Suzanne today and want to hear more from them, you can follow them at Big Payoff Radio on Twitter. You can like them on Facebook at The Big Payoff. Download their show directly on iTunes or Stitcher. Listen to them on the WGN Plus app or stream them on WGNplus.com.